0: Machine Repeat here. Welcome to our new Machinery Repeat weekly podcast. This is our second edition. Thank you for stopping by to give us a listen and spend some time. I tell you, 30 years now, I've been covering the farm machinery market, traveling all over the country, and it's always fascinated me the level of innovation across the farm equipment space. Um, you go back historically, things like, you know, developing a skid steer out of an idea, you know, farmers always looking to make a better way. And I've always been fascinated by the people who see these things and then carry them through. Now, today we've got a really special guest, Ralph Lagergren from Kansas. Now, if that name rings a bell from years past, you might be remembering the bi-rotor Combine uh, back from the early to mid-1990s. There was actually a book written about the, the process of developing that combine. The book was called The Dream Reaper. And we're going to talk to Ralph about that. He was one of two partners behind that and get the, the back story there, which is I found just fascinating. I know you'll enjoy it. And then Ralph has also continued to innovate and invent in and outside of ag throughout his life and recently involved with ChemBlade, some very exciting things happening there with new products. Ralph has partnered with a, a young Kansas inventor, just a sharp young fella, and kind of uh, doing some great things there. And then I I think it's interesting to talk with an inventor like this that's got a lifetime in it, uh, some of the insights uh, that I think can help us, you know, not just if you're inventing products, but from a business standpoint, things we can learn. So I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. Well, folks, I'd like to welcome to our Machine Repeat podcast, our guest this week, Ralph Lagergren from Kansas. Ralph, great to talk to you.
1: Yeah, same here.
0: And folks, uh, Ralph is a legendary inventor—not uh, just in the ag world, but uh, very well known through some of the amazing things he's done. We we sort of got connected last fall, Ralph, when that uh, the by rotor combine came up for sale. What was it uh, last? I'm trying to remember, October 29th. Yeah, I it
1: was and, October, yeah.
0: And that was your your cousin Mike Underwood's. Uh, unfortunately, his estate a state sale. Yeah,
1: but, Mark. Yeah, Mark Underwood.
0: But you and Mark kind of developed that bi-rotor combine back, was it the early 90s? Is that the timeline on that, Ralph?
1: Yeah, we finished up, uh, you know, kind of the late 90s. Um, and it was just one of those crazy things. Um, I, I was in corporate life. I was in Dallas. I grew up in Kansas. And when we were growing up, when we were both 12, my mom, Uh, was a great teacher, and she said, Mark's just not very smart. And I go, "Uh, Mom, Mark's a genius. And I just had that ultimate belief in him, watching him do things with his hands. And so just one day I got crazy and called home to Kansas, said, hey, I'm coming home in two weeks. Now I want to see drawings of your ID when I get home. And he said, the combine? And it had been a couple years since we talked about it. And I said, yeah, if you don't have drawings, don't talk to me. And okay. got home, and he had him. I sold my house, sold everything, went home to Kansas to build a combine.
0: Wow! Now, what, what corporate, uh, what part of the corporate world were you working in, Ralph?
1: Well, I've been asked several times. Most people say, "Are are you an engineer?" And I say, "No, marketing." Uh, and they say, "Well, what's your work background?" And I said, "Well, I was in AC Nielsen. I worked marketing research. Sure, sure. Uh, as a." food broker and then i worked for johnson johnson i said it's kind of prerequisite for building combines (laughs) exactly and and everybody just but you know i had to understand market research uh food brokering i learned to wheel and deal and corporate structure i learned uh they gave me a lot of structure to go with my maverick ways and also i could never have made deals that I've made uh, without understanding how corporations work. So sure. I really did need all that background. Mm.
0: Now, folks, probably uh, one of the the remembrances of the By rotor Combine was the book that was written about it, uh, Dream Reaper. Um, but why don't you walk us through again? So Mark, your cousin, had this idea for this new combine. I mean, tell us what was different about it, what was revolutionary, and how how you guys were able to build it.
1: Well, just kind of a, the short story on it, um, it was more like a, a, a rotor, um, but we were turning the concave along with the uh, rotor instead of being stationary. And I, I don't think we really knew why it worked, uh, but we end up finding out that one-tenth the speed, say if you're running 600 on your rotor, you'd run 60 on your cage going around it and we found out we could really get the grain out fast and have unbelievable separation so we were able to shorten the rotor up to four foot and that allowed us to slide everything forward and make a compact machine we got rid of about 50 percent of the moving parts uh, because we could combine systems and so that was pretty much the premise and then we found out that we didn't have to adjust between say corn and we we all we had to do is speed up or slow down the rotor hmm. uh we didn't have to change the concaves or change the the distance settings uh, so it, it was pretty revolutionary
0: okay now i'm trying to i mean i started our machine repeat biz back in 1989 but i was young and stupid and trying to figure find my way forward but you guys it was the early 90s kind of when you started working on this thing did you say yeah Real?
1: yeah yeah and okay. then like I said, we actually sold to John Deere in 95, and then we did some more work past that and built some other prototypes and right. uh, did other testing and so finished up.
0: Now, the selling to John Deere, that, that must have been quite a process. Um,
1: yeah, it, it was, and, and that's why, like I said, is one of those things things that I don't think anybody could believe what it takes to go through something like oh, that but can imagine but you know the 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 kind of the crazy thing is I've even you know several years later I've had people say so why'd you sell out mm-hmm. and I'm just going well would you like to go set up a, a manufacturing plant and all the distributors and right you know and, and that kind of leads into I have a lot of inventors uh, ask me questions and one thing that I always tell them up front is, I said, you know, uh, you got to think where you're going, and from the beginning on that, I figured that we would end up having to, you know, to license to a company, but we were hoping we had good enough technology that, you know, would be implemented, and we made our change that way.
0: Right. Well, what as you guys were developing the birotor, and you came out with your XBR two model uh, back in the early to mid '90s, there, what was the buzz? Around Kansas, and when people heard, and there must have been a lot of stories written about what you guys were doing. Farmers had to be, you know, highly interested. I would imagine.
1: Well, there's both sides of it. Um, you know, you kind of got people saying, "What do these guys think they're doing? <laughs> you know, who do they think they are?" And, and you know, that's that's pretty, that's human nature. Right. Um. But you know, as and what's always funny on any projects I've done, if when you're successful the people that have kind of been bad-mouthing you behind your back, they come up and say, I knew you could do it. Right. And uh, so that's just part of it. You have to accept that more than likely you're going to fail. And if you do, everybody, you know, yeah, I told you. See, they're stupid. And, uh, you know, if you make it, oh, you're a hero because, you know, right. and –
0: well, the uh, I guess it's free to sit in the seats and, and comment, but to, to step up into the batter's box and take a swing at doing something better and different is, is uh, you know, that's not easy. So you and when, Mark, that's pretty yeah, cool, ahead. pretty cool what you well, guys set off to do.
1: And, you know, the, the crazy thing is we shouldn't have made it. Uh, we probably about went broke 50 times. And as long as we could see a way forward, we kept moving forward. And we were very fortunate we made a multi-million dollar deal, you know, selling to John Deere. Uh, But only one in ten projects makes it with new ideas, so the Mm -hmm. odds are way against you, especially at Combine.
0: Yeah, that was not an easy thing you guys set out to do there. Uh, Now, the book itself, the book Dream Reaper, how did that come about, Ralph?
1: Uh, A guy from Iowa, Craig Canine, uh, he was doing a book on the history of agriculture and the future of agriculture, and we were in the magazines and, and he, uh, called and asked if he could come talk to us. Well, we were off of busy, but it was very sincere. And I said, yeah, yeah, come on. And, um, so we saw, talked to him and he went back to Iowa and he called me back and he said, you know, I got to thinking that, uh, you guys risk it all. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write this book mostly about what you guys are doing. And I said, uh, Craig, you're crazy. I mean, we have no idea how this is going to turn out. And so he really took as much risk as we did. And, you know, as fortunate, we gave him a good ending to the story, but, uh, fantastic writer too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it it is, but for the guys on the team and, and for us, it was just kind of like, what? Writing a book about what we're doing? Well,
0: it's a great story. I I have no doubt why it, or I can see why it took off like it did. Uh, now you you shared uh, kind of a an awesome story with me, Ralph. That uh, in the process there and after the book had come out, you were traveling and you are you are a world traveler. You were but happened to be out in Pennsylvania. Why don't not you uh, tell tell that story?
1: Yeah, we had sold it to John Deere, and um, I was going down a back road to get Gettysburg. I'd always wanted to get there, and <clears throat> I saw CTS um, you know picking corn. And I thought, well, why are they using that? So I pulled in and in this pretty obscure area of Pennsylvania, and and I asked the guy why he was doing that, and he said, "Well, we run real high moisture corn." I said, "You mind if I ride with you, see what you're doing?" And and he made some pretty cool modifications, and I said, "Well, I really appreciate you showing me that. That's pretty interesting." I said, "Well, I better get headed on," and he stopped and he said, "Hey, uh, where are you from?" I said, "I'm from Kansas." He said. Oh, my gosh, do you you know those guys that sold the combine to John Deere? And I said, uh, yeah, we did. He said, are you Ralph or Mark? And I just <laughs> sat there dumbfounded. You know, That's I awesome. mean, and so I guess, you know, we did make some impact. But he said, I read every story. You guys were crazy. And, um, you know, so it, it's kind of nice that, uh, you know, and we had a lot of people phone. And, and I've had several people call and tell me that they, Started their own ideas because of what we did, and that that's pretty important to me too.
0: Yeah, I mean, when people see someone that's tried something and kind of went for it like that, it does provide inspiration. So, yeah, probably countless people you've helped over the years in that regards, Ralph. Now on the on the story of the Combine, as we wrap that up. Uh, again, this auction the auction for Mark's estate last October, the XBR two was actually sold. i think it was twenty two thousand bucks and the, your yeah. guys original machine they were both sold on that auction right
1: right right uh one went to a museum i'm not sure where actually okay uh but then uh the xbr2 a company uh peridot and in hoagland indiana uh they're they're looking at seeing if they could duplicate it and come hmm. out with a regional brand and you know that's uh with uh, based on what we did um right you know so it'll be interesting it'll, it's a hard road but
0: right but uh, i suppose what had the patents uh expired on, the, on yeah, your technology? the patents are
1: expired uh now john deere had uh, and a lot of people don't understand like they said well john deere just buried it and mm-hmm. i've never felt that way because i understand business again being in corporate um uh, you know to completely retool and do a whole new machine, uh, is millions and millions and millions of dollars. Right. And so they took, uh, portions of our patents and that's what made their machine work. Right. Um, you know, and, and so we didn't get to see the whole machine work, but one, one of the things the company in Indiana is looking at is we had where we could take out eight bolts, unhook the drive, uh, set, the feeder house down and back out and we had legs built in and the whole inside of the combine come out Hmm. and so you could change modules or you could turn it into a sprayer or different implements and so that's what they're looking at. That was one of our uh, patents too.
0: Okay, and what's the name of that Indiana company again?
1: Peridot P-E-R-I-D-O-T Okay, gotcha.
0: Well Ralph you've continued to innovate and push and, and, and invent and Boy, you, you've had some pretty exciting things going on here lately with a partner, a young inventor partner there from Kansas uh, with ChemBlade. Why don't you uh, bring us up to speed?
1: Yeah, it's one of those deals that, you know, I've done different types of projects, and I actually hadn't done any ag uh, in a long time. And when you're doing projects, what's really hard is, you know, you're going to have successes and failures, and you have to be used to that. Uh, and... One thing I try to tell people now is, I said, think about you're probably going to get to work on maybe most people work on maybe five projects in their lifetime. And so you have to pick pretty you know uh, close to what you're liking, uh, how you think it can be successful, that sort of thing. And, and a lot of people, they'll go, oh, this is a great idea. But they don't realize that maybe it's going to cost way too much and you don't get enough benefit for the cost there's a lot of analysis have to go into that when you're deciding sure but ethan uh, when i met him uh actually at wichita state uh, knew my background and uh they called and said hey would you talk to this guy and i said well actually i got other projects but yeah i'll, I'll talk to him
0: now this is ethan eck
1: Ethan. Yeah. And he's out of Kingman and uh, Kingman, Kansas. And anyway, um, I I liked him immediately on the phone and I said, well, why don't we meet? And so what he was trying to do, uh, he had built a a tripod of blades um, with a spear on top. And so for jugs of chemicals, you would jam down on that. And then there was a, a spray head tucked behind those blades that would go up in the jug and you turn on the water and rinse it out so versus cut you know taking the lid off and cutting the foil out uh you're pouring it and it's glug 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 and it's splashing and the wind's blowing it on you and so i I was interested in what he was doing and i said ethan i don't think this is your total project but i said you're on to something and it's too long a story, but a couple companies called, and I said, hey, they're not interested in buying. They just want to see what you're doing. But I said, I'll, I'll go talk to them with you. And, and so on the last one, uh, I just said, do you want to be partners? And he said, yeah. And <laughs> so in the end, what happened, uh, we started focusing. And uh, actually, by an accident, uh, when we were uh, testing on the jugs, uh, he kind of hit off to the side and it cut up the side of the jug. And he had sent me some pictures. I live about 40 miles from him. I said, Hey, what happened? He said, Oh, I missed the center. I said, What's the side look like? He said, Oh, it looks like a door. And I said, I'll be there tomorrow. And, um, you know, and that was the start of uh, what our latest product is. And so now we can empty a, a jug, two and a half gallon jug, in one half second man and then it automatically rinses it well then we got to working with it more and we thought well gosh we could enclose this and so that's how it all started and uh it's been quite a trail do you want me to go through how, how it's
0: oh it's so Kemblade again the, the first iteration came out when was it ralph
1: well it's about five years ago okay and that that was the original where we were jam, you know jamming it down right. on it
0: so now the chemblade es the enclosed
1: system yeah that, that's what oh, go ahead was
0: that end of last year late 2018 was that when that came out
1: yeah w- what happened we had built prototype and we had tested uh, for about a year and a half and uh, we ended up and and this is something I always tell uh, inventors. I said, and with Ethan, I said, Ethan, you don't want to manufacture. I said, now some people, that's what they want to do. I said, but you have to decide upfront, are you going to manufacture it or are you going to license it to somebody? Right. And, you know, it's a whole different way of going about it. And so we ended up, uh, we licensed it to Hagee, uh, you know, the big spray company and, and a great company. And, um, and so we were working with them to finalize design for manufacturing. And a week later, though, after we signed the deal, John Deere bought Hagee. Hmm. And, and it's not John Deere's fault, but it, they had to merge the two sprayer companies. Right. And so, you know, we were just going to get lost in, in the shuffle, and that's just the way it was. And so after about eight, nine months, we said, you know, we, we really think we ought to probably bring it back in-house. And we mutually agreed and, and signed the deal and, and did that. Well, the tough thing, and I did not want this, um, is that Ethan said, I can set up the manufacturing. Okay. And I tell you, Ethan's background is automotive and um, welding. And uh, he's doing things that I, I've seen engineers that can't even come close to doing.
0: Well, you've sent uh, me pictures of what he is the, the space there and what you're doing and boy you're right it looks awfully impressive
1: yeah i mean he built one deal for manufacturing that uh, on the tank uh he took an old uh, uh, forklift and he um you know cut off everything and he kept the mast and so he could raise it up and down then he put a u-shape deal that had a um um uh, gearbox from irrigation and so it could turn that tank any direction uh, to weld it. So it, it cut the weld time in over half. Hmm. And so it's just stuff like that. And so we continued to move forward and uh, build a complete new unit uh, that had all the features that everybody was asking for. And also people kept asking, uh, say, well, what about partial jugs? And so developed a system called the caddy which uh, is also enclosed, but it, it allows you to do partial jugs. And so then we we're preparing to go, um, you know, out to market full, you know, and really go after it. Right. And, but the thing is, uh, we were going to have to go regional. Um, you know, it's going to, it was going to take more training and not just something we could throw out to our dealers. We, we had set up 80 dealers across the country, hmm but that's more for the, the simpler system. And, uh, so we knew we were going to have to go that way. And so then sometimes you have to have luck come your way and we all hate to say that we're lucky, but it's just part of inventing and doing business. And, uh, we were in California at a show and Ethan started talking to one of the owners uh, of Surefire and surefire makes a bulk loading system and it's an automated system uh that's also enclosed but it's taking the big totes or 265 gallons and draws out of that and loads them well we thought you know and, and they're in north uh west kansas we thought we ought to go talk to them and maybe we could work together with them and so we went up and i did ask ask them we were sitting in the boardroom and i said when you guys were sewn to aerial uh, sprayers, I said, did you have much luck? And they said, no. I said, because they do more jugs? And they said, yeah. And I said, you know, you ought to own both the systems and have them under one roof. Mm-hmm. And they said, we would actually be interested. And, <laughs> and they weren't planning on it, we weren't planning on it. And then we started looking at all the possibilities did some testing with them and uh, we end up licensing it to them and they have a national sales force. Right. And so it, I I told them, I said, I didn't want Ethan to manufacture. And I said, but the beauty of that is now it's ready to go to market and it's set up for manufacturing. So they're going to start selling it next month.
0: Wow. That's exciting. And
1: and so, yeah. and, And what's, Really exciting to us is when you're trying to make a change out there in the spray industry, you know, it came on strong about 15 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, before you didn't see it that much. And now, you know, every large operation has a sprayer, but number one, uh, and Ethan, the reason he got into this, his brother had a, uh, custom spray, uh, company and mm-hmm. Ethan was the one loading the jugs and he didn't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He didn't like having chemicals on his pants and everything, and and he was wearing the gloves and the, everything. But you still, it's just a mess, and right. he knew and, the, and slow.
0: He knew there had to be a better way.
1: A better way, and then you're supposed to triple rinse, which if people haven't heard, you put about half, you fill it half full, and then you put the lid back on. You got to shake it several different ways, right. dump it, and do that three times, and then it's ready to be recycled. Well, that takes a tremendous amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what ended up happening is now Ethan designed and our ES is automated where you set the jug in. It's got an air ram. You shut the lid. It opens it, rinses it, then the lid pops back open. Uh, Like I said, we can empty it in half a second and rinse it. Uh, A bag, a 50-pound bag, we can put in there and it'll empty it in about one about the maximum times two seconds versus having to cut the top off and pick it up over your shoulder
0: i've seen some stats ralph you with with the gumbl ads there you're talking saving folks like an hour a day right
1: yeah and, and see what you look at is you know you have to have a benefit and so we were looking okay now we have products that are safety oriented But that means nothing if you're not helping production. And so we always worked on the speed first. And so what ends up happening, if you got a sprayer and they got 120 foot boom, and they're running, you know, 12 miles an hour across the field, that's a half a million dollar machine that's worth a lot of money. In fact, the calculations are it's worth $20 a minute in the field. Hmm. And so if you got a, a sprayer sitting there, doing nothing and being loaded you're losing big money and so we're able to you know load fast and it's back out there so like you said it's not only saving about 60 minutes in a day uh with our system but more than that is if they're looking over the horizon and they got a rainstorm coming or the wind's supposed to come up it's going to shut them down well if they can cover 45 to 100 more acres in a day uh you know man that's unbelievable value
0: well we've seen with our conditions last fall and the spring the growing importance of these tight windows and getting the job done when you got to do it so
1: creating yeah so that's that's what's exciting is by pairing surefire and their quick draw system with the bulk and then kim with the es caddy and the original uh, we're all, you know, uh, it's all enclosed and it's the safest systems, but they're also the both are the fastest systems for loading out there. And to put that all under one roof uh, with a national sales force. And so now if they go in and somebody says, well, we use more bulk. Well, you know, sell them the, the quick draw um, uh, we're using mostly jugs. And we're also looking at combining the two systems. There are several people that need that too, and so it's 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 so exciting. Um, well,
0: that is good so I know Surefire Ag, Matt Walters, and the crew up there. Good people. Uh, you, you you've connected with a great firm there.
1: Really great. And and you know the uh, agreement we worked out. Um, it was it was nice to see we were both looking out for each other. Uh, lots of times, you know, you got to feel like you're knocking somebody's head out, We head off. We, we really said, hey, this is what's fair for both parties and went back through. And so it was uh, actually is pleasant to do. Um, and what excites me again is we have a, ch- a chance with that company having all that under one roof that people will come to them for their answers. Uh, to be more successful out spraying because today they really can't go any faster and the booms are getting about as wide as they can. And so you're you're kind of stuck. And the the number one best way to improve your efficiency is to load faster. Mm. And with all our, our systems, we're also making it so the operator's not exposed and are totally safe and not exposed to chemicals.
0: Right. Well now, Ralph, I'm I'm interested here. you have you talked about Ethan, a young man there you are partnered with, developed Chemblade, uh and what is Ethan now? Twenty seven, twenty eight years old?
1: Age twenty eight.
0: Tell me more about Ethan and how he looks at the world and what what you saw in him that made you just know in your gut that this guy's he's got something, he's gonna be successful.
1: Uh you know, it's one thing that everybody's got their talents. I mean, I've been called an inventor, and I do invent by more an entrepreneur. And what I say is my number one talent is I see the big picture, and I spot talent in people. And just like on the Combine, we put together a team, I had a team of eight people. Going back to that, we did on XBR2, we did design, uh, fabrication, assembling, painted it, went to the field in six months with eight people. Wow. And you, you can't do that if you don't have unbelievable people. And and so that's what I saw the same thing in Ethan, just the way he thought. And, and I don't know why I'm able to do that. I, I'm also – I used to hate it. I can talk to other people and I go, they'll never go anywhere because mm-hmm. they're going to be too stuck on this is my deal and I don't want to listen to anybody or right. – There's a whole host of problems. And when we started out, Ethan, would. when we became partners, he said, I I would say something. He'd go, why would you do that? And now today he goes, ah, I see where you're headed. Mm -hmm. And so I think we both learned from each other. Um, And and that's another thing for inventors to know um, is I couldn't have done this project without Ethan and vice versa. And you almost always have to have complementing talents. Um, And so he's just unbelievable at what he can do. And he has the work ethic. Um, I mean, uh, he's had to put in the 12- to 16-hour days, and he's done it.
0: Done it with a smile, huh?
1: Yeah, and and it gets hard. And, um, you know, and that's why. Um, You know, with manufacturing and then we were looking at, you know, now going into the marketing phase and I knew he would eventually get bored with manufacturing. And um, so this is a beautiful deal because uh, Ethan's going to manufacture just uh, some components for Surefire, uh, but they're going to do everything else. And so then he'll have more time to start looking at a new project and if he has one that and we've talked about one uh if it's what i like i'll end up working with him again on a project
0: keep innovating huh
1: yeah he's he's been one of the best partners i've had and and i've been fortunate i've had some really good partners but we just really work well together and uh like i say really complement each other um but and, and like i said number one though is Ethan's not one of these people that goes, "Oh no, no, this is the only way it can be done." He listens, he evaluates, he thinks clear through it. Um it, it's just it's very easy to work with him. Now, mm-hmm. if he really believes in something sure, he'll fight for it, and so will I. Right. Uh but but in general, we're we're both always listening and then we kind of put it together and say, "Okay, here's the decision. Let's go this direction."
0: Right. I want to kind of dovetail off of that, Ralph, uh, your experience, you know, inventing, you know, not just ag, but across the different sectors you've got into, working with different people. When you were talking about that common reflex of, you know, the inventor being, I won't say bullheaded, but uh, through any combination of things, hard to let go, Um, just talk about some tips that you would have for people, whether it's an ag product they're coming out with or outside of ag that your experience has showed you over the decades, things that could help them in their process?
1: Well, number one problem that most people run into is, first of all, they won't talk to anybody about it because they think somebody's going to steal it. And I, I tell people all the time, yeah, it does happen, but it's pretty rare. I mm-hmm. said, you have more chance that you're going to still be sitting on your idea and you'll see it 10 years later down the road and then somebody else did it hmm. and so you have to start talking and you can do uh, non-disclosure uh, forms that you know protect you right um there's you know provisional patents that protect you for a year but another problem that a lot of people go in they have this in their head that they go out and they'll spend twenty thousand dollars on patents and then they sit there in the living room waiting for somebody to call and give them a million dollars. It doesn't happen. Hmm. And so it's more, you got to figure out again, you got to start from the beginning looking okay, is this a worthwhile project? Will it help a person? Can it be manufactured for the right price? Uh, how big is the market? There's just a lot of things that you have to evaluate. And most people aren't capable of doing that themselves. So you got to, you know, team up just like in this case with Ethan and I, and, um, you know, setting up distributors, uh, you know, I'd never done that before, but we figured it out. And, and so it, but that's the big problem is that people think they got an idea and they're going to make a million dollars. Yep. And in two months it hasn't worked and they quit. And, and, Oh, I'm never doing that again. I, I, well, they didn't. They didn't really go after it,
0: right? And well, I, I find it interesting. Like even you were talking about not being afraid to to reach out. So in your experience, the surefire egg is a good example there. You you could have looked at that and said, well, they're sort of in the space. Maybe, we, we, gosh, we shouldn't talk to them about what we're doing. But look what happened absolutely. when you, look what happened yeah. when you did talk to them.
1: And that's what Ethan had ran into them, actually, I think a couple years ago. And they were actually buying our original uh, for because they're loading all bulk. Right. But when they needed to load uh, jugs, they were buying our original Kimblade. And so they were already a customer of Ethan's. And um, so that, that kind of helped. But at the same time, it's like you said, we're really... competing in a way, but uh, the more we talked about it, and then we realized what their strengths were, and, uh, you know, a median-sized company, but they have a a footprint and and well-run and um, treat their people well. I could tell that, too. Right. And, you know, there's just a lot of factors. And and being in Kansas, that's kind of cool that, you know, that two Kansas companies pair up. Yeah. Uh, But... And they're motivated. They're as excited about our products as we are.
0: Have to find you know, that, I mean, right, that right match.
1: Yeah, because if you get the wrong one, you, you then you worry, well, they're going to go out and try to push theirs and kind of set ours over to the side. Right. And, and we covered all that up front, and it was very evident from the beginning that they saw the big picture. We were all looking at the same picture.
0: Right. And but
1: would, but like you said, yeah, you have to take certain chances like that,
0: right? But you would—was it fair to say, Ralph, your experience working with various inventors, people with ideas over the years—is that most people default into that—that that, you know, I'm not—I got to keep this quiet, and I don't want anyone else's input. And is that just? Yeah, uh, I
1: mean, I can give you a perfect example, like my cousin, you know, Mark uh, on the combine. He was sitting there with his arms wrapped around. I can't show anybody. Well, then we went out and we did a lab test at Kansas State. Then we gutted a case IH. Well, I had the combine painted white and put murals on it. And boy, he was mad at me because, you know, an inventor wants to have everything perfect before the world sees it. You know, like, oh, what is he doing? And there is risk, but I come more for the entrepreneurial side and say, "Hey, if we don't get people interested, we're going, we're not going anywhere."
0: Yeah, what's the point?
1: And so, you know, you could hear him on the two-way. What's that white combine behind the Jones barn? And um, and so that's where again it was complimenting talents, and I pulled Mark out of uh, out of the barn, and and Mark wouldn't have ever done that, and that's again most inventors won't, uh, but. You, you go nowhere. Right. And, and then he he got more used to it. Um, you know, but it, it's, it is, uh, you know, you, you hear about things getting stolen and all that. But like I said, I, I'm very honest on that, that very few products get stolen. Your risk is worse that you won't get it done and right. somebody right. else will do it.
0: Well, Ralph, I'm just curious your take. Now, this is something sort of a life truth as I get older that I I find to become more clear for me. But the increasing value as we get older of realizing what our weaknesses are and being okay with that and actually having that be an opportunity, um, I hear echoes of that, and you're talking about inventors here. And when you do, I don't want to say let your guard down, but take a more open approach, what can happen if when you work with people who have other strengths and abilities, we can advance the ball quicker faster?
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it's not only that, but then then you have to, uh, you know, the the scary part is just like Ethan. Um, you know, somebody like me comes in. If I was a jerk, I could come in and say, hey, I've done this. I know how to do this. You don't know how to do any of that. I want 80% of your company. Right. You know, and, and Ethan and I worked out a very equitable and we're very happy, both of us, how we did it. And so you do have to watch who you partner up with. Right. Um, You know, it's like a a marriage. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you you can have the right contract and everything else, but if you got the wrong partner, it's no fun.
0: Um, Terrible headaches, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. And so, but bottom line, kind of going back to the all-encompassing thought we have there, is most inventors or most entrepreneurs, you can't go out. And take a product from beginning to end and do it all yourself. You just can't. And if if you're thinking that way from the beginning, uh, you won't make it. Uh, or like I said, the other thing I can spot in a person real quick, if they're talking dollars and that's all they can see is mm. you know how much they're going to make, they're not going to make it. Right. You got to have you want you have to want to, you know, you know eat, breathe, and live your idea because you believe so much in it. Right. But even then you got to be careful and back up and say, okay, you can't go to your friends and say, what do you think? Oh, that's great. Now you got to get real. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you find out that man sounded good, but nobody wants it because right. it costs too much. Right.
0: Well, over your years of experience, Rob, how does that feel when you get into a project like the buyer or whatever? And, it's an idea, and you see, have the vision, and you think, "Yep, this can change the market." What does that feel like when it comes to fruition, and whether you you know sell, sell the idea or what or the take it to market? What does that feel like?
1: I think it's probably the best feeling in the world. It's like um, you're you're taking something that doesn't exist and making it reality, and we're pretty fortunate um, in this business. Uh, somebody told me this once and I really thought well that's not right they said Ralph do you realize what you're doing only 1% of the people in the world are, can do and I thought that that can't be but what they're talking about is to take a product and take it from A to Z right. and I don't know why uh, I ended up being able to do that and I, I, I honestly am not the smartest guy out there but I've I've really been able to work just like Ethan is unbelievable what he does, but I'm a very good decision maker. Uh, I am not scared to make decisions. Um, I see the big picture. Um, I read people quickly. So that's what I'm saying. Everybody's got to have a different skill level. Right. And and that's, by the way on this, uh, I'm not looking for projects because I, I, kept my uh, name underground for a while because I used to get about 40 calls a, a month of wow. people want me to help. And, and and I just can't do it. And yeah. so I'm choosing the people I want to work with. And, sure. and Ethan is one. Right. Um, I have another project. It's an electric box that's will replace um, electric panels in houses. And mm. the partner on that is in construction. And he's really a genius in every aspect of that and so you know i'm working to take that to market and license that
0: now ralph i don't know if you're at liberty to say but uh i also hear of a beach game
1: yeah yeah now that one's been hard for me um there there's a, a reason that i'm doing that game now i had a friend uh down in texas and he's one of the most creative guys i know and he's a, actually a genius with a sewing machine, which is crazy. Wow. And, uh, but he's one of the smartest guys. I know I can tell him something. And 20 years later, I can say, start to tell him, he said, Oh yeah. And he can tell me his story back. And, and, but he's just, um, he makes playground equipment. Well, one day I was visiting with him and he was making this game kind of like a basketball, had different shoots coming out. And he said, what do you think about this? This guy had me make it. And I said, ah, Gary, I think you're more creative than that. You could come up with a better game. And so he ended up designing the game. It was 60 by 30 with 10 foot, uh, fences. And, and again, he makes uh, playgrounds for McDonald's and stuff. So sure. he knows how to do that. And then he had a straight fence across. And then he had goals. And so when I, when he showed it to me, and this is what I bring to the table too is i sat down and he showed me and i go uh okay it's like dodgeball with scoring it's modified dodgeball i'm not interested okay and he said he kind of got upset with me and i said well hey i'll keep thinking on you know that and i was driving along i thought i really like that fence because it's about 40 inches tall because you can duck behind it but i thought well people could look over and look left and right and see if somebody's hiding And one day somebody walked in and said they flew through a heck of a lightning storm. I go, Whoa, that's it. And I could see the, the field and the fence goes at an angle straight across and then the, uh, an opposite angle. So it looks like lightning. Hmm. And so that's the inventing part. And I sent that to my now partner on that and he got it right away. He said, Oh, that changes the whole game. That's it. And, um, and so then we developed the rules. and We took it to spring breaks, and it was a tremendous success. Cool. Uh, but the, but this was back in two thousand eight, and and so when the economy went bad, all oh, the sure. sp- sponsors and everything went downhill. Well, it's not something I'm used to doing, and people say, "Well, how do you make money on games?" And mm-hmm. and yeah. so, uh, but my number one, the reason I'm doing that, I made up my mind. Is in life you got to pick something where you can really make a difference and i went in surgery with um doctor does craniofacial surgery it's uh kids with oh you know b- bad cleft palate or misshaped sure. heads, and 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 anyway i ended up going in surgery with him i said you know i'm going to take one project and the majority of what i make i'm going to help pay for in uh for operations wow that's awesome and so that's what i'm trying to do with it but you know it's always successful when we take it out but now i have to take it to the next stage to make it a national game well that's not what i do and that's not what i'm best at so right now i just started going back to it and i've designed the uh with a friend we have the logos the clothing line. Everything that would go with it, uh, we've perfected the the arena. Uh, So now I will look at licensing and get it to TV and then league play and pro teams. And, you know, and and I'm going to have to have some luck come my way and find the right, uh, you know, company that will do that. But uh, uh, games can make billions from, you know, selling the shirts with the Rage Ball. It's called Rage Ball 5. Right. And so, anyway, it's exciting, and it's fun because I've never seen kids have so much fun in my hmm. life. Now, it's a very aggressive game, and they're going to kill each other, and <laughs> then after the game, they're slapping hands and and friends for life. And uh, it, it's awesome. the weirdest phenomenon I've ever seen. So and maybe so, in
0: 10 or 20 years on our uh, on PS2 or PS20 or whatever the kids will be playing, maybe there'll be a digital version of your game they'll be uh, all playing and talking about
1: well see i set my goals different i'm looking at five to seven years gotcha (laughs) well
0: making a new beach game and making a combine i mean of course they fit together perfectly ralph
1: (laughs) (laughs) well and i have had people who said why that's crazy you're all over the board i said look it's all the same uh, I said, yes, you have to learn the different industries, but it's still a matter of figuring out, does this solve a problem? Uh, how do you perfect it? How do you build prototypes? Uh, you know, how do you take it to market? And, you know, so it is different, but to me it's all the same. Right.
0: Well, one last thing i gotta I got to ask you about, Ralph, is we were exchanging emails trying to coordinate your schedule and my schedule and uh, all the fun that was. Thank you for your patience, but uh, you are really into travel. In fact, you, you told me you've just recently visited the 50th state, so you've been to every state in the country.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing that's been nice about what I get to do is now, you know, it can go both ways. Like I said, I've had successes and failures, but I've always set my goals on companies and personal life the same, and... Travels my number one thing, so I just I will sit down and go. Okay, yeah, uh, next year I'm going to Machu Picchu in Peru okay. and see the Inca ruins. Well, I told my son that, and he says, "You're not going without me." And uh, so then he called back two days, said, "My wife said I could go." And so we went down and we climbed uh, mountains down there and went up to the Inca ruins and uh, it's memories that he and I will have for life. And we've ended up doing a lot of trips together and, but there's just lots of times I will uh, I'll find a a gap in my work and go, okay, I'm taking off and I'm going. So um, I just, Last Like the last six months, I went to Canada, then I went to Costa Rica, then I just went to Alaska.
0: Well, and, as an experienced traveler, Ralph, i got to ask you. if no, if you had to pick, and if I pin you down in the U.S., let's talk the U.S. first. Give me two of your three favorite places for whatever reason in the U.S.
1: Um, I like nature now. Um, you know, I'm not as much for a person to go to cities. And so I like to go out and climb mountains and see nature and wildlife. And, uh, I take pictures and if I can come home with three to five good pictures, then that's just something that is so exciting to me. Hmm. And, uh, so, uh, uh, probably the top three places. Um, oh, uh, one that surprised me is Acadia in Maine. Um, beautiful, beautiful place. Um. Uh, you know, it's way up in the corner there, Right. but, uh, lots of hiking trails, beautiful scenery. Um, the Pacific's about as blue as it can be. Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite for scenery was, um, Glacier National Park in Northern Montana. Okay. Uh, every picture I took there, I swear was a postcard. Hmm. Um, and then I've had really good luck to, uh, or, or fun in utah there are several parks there and i've you know hiked in arches and canyonland and zion and um it's just it's a different world because it's all the red rock um there's one go ahead
0: Well, you you finish your your story there ralph
1: oh one time i went by myself though and and i didn't i was in the back country i didn't see anybody for two days and I kind of thought, eh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. That's right up where that guy caught his hand with a boulder and had to cut mm. off his hand. And, and so now, just like when I went to Alaska, I had a friend meet me and up there, and we climbed some mountains up there. And uh, we did like some cool things. Uh, uh, we uh, caught a, a, a pilot and landed a plane. He landed a plane on uh, Denali Mountain well wow. and on a glacier and uh so that's what i i just you know everybody's got to pick what they want in life and that is just something that brings great pleasure to me inventing working with people uh, i mean like taking somebody like ethan and making them successful and then watching them grow from there that's a huge high for me very cool. uh, I, I, and then, like I said, from my personal level, uh, I just, like Alaska, there, it's about four months that you can go up there, and I, it seemed like it always, the timing didn't work, and I just said, eh, this is it. I'm going this year. I'm going. And so I called my friend in Ohio, and I said, you want to meet me there? And Yep, let's go.
0: Do you ever find that uh, traveling to different places, unplugging and getting into different elements, do you? Does it ever bring you ideas?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think it opens your mind. Uh, I see things, or or talking to somebody on a plane, or right. uh, in the airport. I mean, I meet presidents, companies, all sorts of. I've put people together in business, and I'm just constantly learning. And so that's three fourths my education is from talking to people on vacations.
0: Well, Ralph, I tell you, I have enjoyed our conversation so much. Um, I thank you for sharing your insight and your career of uh, inventing and, and innovating in ag and beyond. And uh, gosh, it's been a ton of fun. Now, if people want more info on the ChemBlade ES and all the good stuff going on there in your partnership with Surefire Ag, best place to send them would be Surefire Ag website.
1: Yeah, you can go to Surefire, but they also bought uh, you know Kimblade uh, dot Okay, and it's linked into theirs. But yeah, if somebody's on spraying, uh, it, it's it's literally going to change the industry, and that's the exciting part. And we, and I can just give you an example. We had an airport that was testing um, both uh, of the equipment. And then they took them back to do some more testing in lab. And they started calling and said, hey, when when can we have those back? Uh, Because when you start realizing, you know, all the work it took away and the time savings and that you're not, you know, being introduced to chemicals all the time, uh, it's a whole different world. And so it's exciting. I'm just, I'm glad that we were able to, get the speed but also to make it a safe systems and surefire had the same thing so well that's just made in heaven so very cool
0: ralph It's going to be a great partnership for you and ethan and uh again thanks for telling us about the bi rotor and how that came about and now folks are interested i wonder is the dream reaper book can folks still find that out like on amazon or anywhere
1: surprising it's um you know amazon and stuff like that now the hardback did not have um, the fi- final where John Deere bought it. Okay. Uh, the paperback um, it came out, I think, a year later. And it, so that's what if a person wants to get the full story. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, you can buy it, like, on Amazon and stuff. And um, uh, the last story I'll tell, I had a guy call once, and I always answer my phone. I said, this is Ralph. And he stuttered around for quite a while. And I said, this is Ralph. Can I help you? And he said, well, my name's Lewis. I'm from California. I said, yeah. What can I do for you? He said, well, he said, uh, he said I know nothing about agriculture. And a friend of mine gave me the book, Dream Reaper. And I read it and I got so excited about what you guys did. I decided to start my own business. And so I wanted to let you know that it inspired me to do that. But, oh. my God, I didn't think you would answer your own phone. I go, why is that? And he said, you're famous. And I go, yeah. And I said, yeah, obviously you don't know me. Uh, uh, but, but you know, it's surprising that people that don't even know agriculture get excited when they read it and you know, see awesome. the trail.
0: That's awesome. Well, like we talked before, I, I think you've inspired a lot of people with ideas to, to go for it. And, again, I, I thank you, Ralph, for sharing your insights and your Expertise and uh, now the next thing you take to market, you give me a call and then we'll have ourselves uh, conversation number two. All right, partner. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks again, Ralph.